Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're converting people one stomach at a time to what fresh food can taste like. You use whatever you can use and respect every bit of it. You know, if it's in season, you use it. We need to study and we need to read and we need to know about our region and what it's doing before we can start putting things on dishes. Hello, I'm Stefan Postuma and welcome to another episode of the Quicksand Food Connection. Today I talk to Erica from the Burrowang General Store Cafe in Burrowang, the Southern Highlands. Uh, the Burrowang General Store has been reopened in 2015, November. Erica took over the business and she completely refurbished the building. She's changed the menu to something with more of a Southern style twist. And they make a lot of their own products on site, lots of sweets. They make marshmallows, they make cakes, they make things like granola. They make it all from scratch and it's available for sale through the store there. It's a fantastic little place and they contributed some great recipes to the Southern Highlands cookbook. I really enjoyed chatting to Erica, so I hope that you also enjoy my conversation with Erica from the Burrowang General Store Cafe. We opened on the 2nd of November. 2nd of November. So I, I believe, I, I guess I came, yeah, I guess I came it was definitely a bit earlier than that. You were still under construction and there were a, little, a few little things, um, you know, words getting passed around and I remember talking to people, like, yeah, they're reopening the Burrowang General Store, um, you know, it's going to be a great little cafe and things. So you open on the 2nd of November and... Do you want to just tell me a bit about, you know, the lead up to getting open and some of the ideas that you had in in creating what's here now? The idea's always been to do a everything made in store, yep. bit old school or new stuff with an old school twist. Yep. Um, or and just basic cooking with my favorite chef would call it the volume turned up. Mm-hmm. So just to give people a bit more than they might expect in an old building. Mm-hmm. in a village in the middle of nowhere yeah oh, that's great well and then uh, as we've talked about uh, you know there's there's that American influence on the dishes on the menu and the dishes that you gave us for this book um, and you told me a bit of a story about you know your travels around the states and how that came to influence you know the menu here do you want to tell us a bit more about that well I think it's it's a combination of growing up in the country in New South Wales and traveling overseas and so there's a lot of old school country women's association type routes, mm-hmm. but then traveling just sort of broadens your mind to what people might like and then sort of trying to blend the two. But we spent 12 years in the States, but we've traveled a lot everywhere. And I suppose we've always just been interested in food. Yeah. And so you think, well, can I do that at home? Would people like it? And then, so the menu is quite broad. Mm. Definitely. But um. I mean, some of the things that you've given us for the book are things like the 
pretzel crusted chicken, um, you know, marinated, I guess, in, in buttermilk beforehand techniques that come out of the States. So cooking and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think when you, there's a lot of places in America that you probably wouldn't want to recreate, but there are a lot of people doing really good food and you travel and you find these small places and you think that is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and the combinations and the, but the Southern fried chicken is that whole chicken and biscuits, chicken grits, um, collard greens, that sort of Southern food. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because it's a bit unusual, but Mm. really it's their home cooking. Yeah, definitely. So it sort of fits in with our comfort food, um, retro old-fashioned sort of staples yeah um and then and, and i and it, when you travel you sort of think yeah and they're doing those sort of things all over the country but their roots are in the south and probably the south is probably more like australia mm. in its thinking about food yeah why do you say that um well just that sort of that sort of home you know that well when i say australia not australia now mm-hmm. but australian roots in cooking mm. Okay. Um, how we all have that sort of hankering for roasts and there are certain, you know, all of us, rice puddings, all that sort of cottage by all that sort of comfort food. Mm-hmm. The South's all about comfort food. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting in Southern cooking in the States now, it's like in the last little while, it seems like it's, there's a bit of a renaissance down there where there's, you know, fine dining chefs and lots of sort of like trendy sort of brash people doing takeaway and food trucks and things like that that are embracing the roots of the southern food in that area and making something really special out of, you know, things like rice grits or something like that, which was never even sold. It was something that was like fed to slaves, you know, back then. And, and just and, diner fare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Diner fare and, and, and things and stuff that you know, stuff that has a history there and it's embraced and then people with, you know, interesting approaches to food can make it into something really special. Things like collard greens as well. I mean, that. I mean, it's like cabbage in, in, in England or something like that. It's just an absolute yeah, staple. Boiled cabbage, yeah. Boiled cabbage, boiled collard greens with, with rice grits is sort of what, what you live off. And if you can put bacon in it, more the better. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not sort of bacon fat, lard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it all makes it all because there's a lot of that in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can make anything taste good. See, I like things like um, red eye gravy. Have you heard what that is? No. It's a gravy made with caffeine, so oh, coffee, okay. and it's in the it's in the breakfast menu. So it's like you'll have, and it's breakfast. So it's chicken and a biscuit with red mm. eye gravy. Okay. Um, and just things like that, and which I don't think would fly here just yet. Do you reckon you could do chicken and biscuits and you'd sell some? People don't understand. I guess you'd call it chicken and scones. Exactly. Well, I find it, I, I feel like I want to nudge our customers forward. Yeah. You know, because I, I quite often say, well, to local, I say, what would you think if we did? Because I want to do, because we do the cured salmon here on site, I'm trying to find a more interesting way than just putting it on rice. So we want to do a dill waffle. Nice. And so it would be like. It's like a blini. Yes, exactly. So yeah. a dill waffle with the cured salmon and the onion and capers and things and be like oh shouldn't the waffle be sweet and i'm going mm, no, yeah, no. <laughs> so yeah so we're, we're working on lots of just small ways of pushing the menu forward because we've got a broad clientele yeah um so we're trying to just slot some little interesting things do you find the clientele's sort of predominantly local or predominantly tourists or from sydney or you know when they see your menu and they find some of those interesting things on there 
you know, what, what, what's the response like in general? People really like the menu because yeah. I think because it's broad, some people, if you're a bit more adventurous, will try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are coming down from Sydney would expect that sort of thing on the menu. Yeah. Um, and then, But locals, we get locals during the week and that's why we have, um, because you don't want to eat that sort of food all the week and we want people to be able to come in and order something straightforward. Mm. Um, so that's why it's pretty broad. But yeah. our clients come from everywhere. Yeah, and I guess... I guess with that, you know, being a bit innovative and a bit um, sort of cutting edge when it comes to things like that, rather than just serving salmon on on toaster or, or, or whatever it may be, um, you know, doing something like a dill waffle, it's sort of you got you've got to train your front of house staff to educate people on what you're trying to do there. And mm. if they see an old couple who look like they wouldn't be into it, they could say, "Oh, well, you can have it with, with with something else or whatever." If you really don't like it, but educating them and saying this is what we're trying to do here, and you know, I'm sure you'll love it, and then they'll give it a go, and they might be surprised, and that'll be the thing that makes them come back. So. Well, that's right. And the but we've got a soft spot for old people, yeah. which is why we will make them a ham and cheese sandwich because they quite often they look at the menu and look a bit lost. Yeah. Um, and so we can do something quite simple. Mm-hmm. Um, because during the week we do get a lot of older people. Yeah. Um, and so yes, they remind me of my parents. So we just make them what they like. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, I don't think you're going to change someone's tastes by you know by that time. Some people might be adventurous by then, but I remember my godfather who passed away now. But he he we used to go to fine dining restaurants and and, and stuff around Canberra when I was growing up, and he was in his seventies, and he'd order fish and chips, which wasn't on the menu. He'd just say, "I just want, I just want a piece of fish." And some chips and if you've got some mayonnaise he's dutch so he goes you've got some mayonnaise i want some mayonnaise and and they'd see that he's an old fella and just go all right sure we can do something for you <laughs> no worries yeah well, we had an older fellow. just wants vanilla ice cream well that's right you know? <laughs> and, and then they should be able to go out with their family and also you know it's harder when you're older um one they don't want to read the menu yep um so yeah and that's the thing where comfort food comes in for us um because we're going to do a really traditional cottage pie and stuff during the winter and roasts um, but hopefully just just that little bit better. But was it, a fellow came in yesterday, he was, what did he say, he was 84, and he said it was the best pie. He didn't actually stood up and got the, the chef to come out, <laughs> and he stood up and shook his hand and said it was the nicest pie he'd had in a very long time. Wow. The sous chef was just so excited. Yeah, you don't um, get a better compliment than I that. I know, but it was, it was very gentlemanly the way he sort of, I wanted to thank him, you know, it was so nice. Yeah, that's so lovely. So that's, if we can just hit those marks, yeah. um, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I reckon that's great. And then and push the people who want, you know, and just give the ones a little bit more um, variety yeah. um, that want it. Yeah, well, I think also having having that variety and having stuff that's a bit more out there is what creates a talking point for people as well. And, you know, word of mouth is such a big thing when, you know, when running a business like this, people saying, well, we had these beautiful dill waffles with cured salmon or we had you know, pretzel crusted chicken with cranberries and Brussels sprout salad. Um, you know, it's 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 definitely a talking point. You know, if, if you go to a cafe and have Eggs Benedict, unless it's, you know, for some reason, the best Eggs Benedict you've ever had, you, you're not really going to go out and tell all your friends because there's That's a right. lot of cafes out there that, that do it, you know. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a... I mean, that's that's these are the types of places that I like to eat at. I... You know, there's, there's, you always sometimes would feel like eggs Benedict, so you go down and grab it. But you know, if you're if you're out to, if you're into food, the interesting menus is something that I look for. 
Definitely. See, I think one of the, the, the most fun parts of this is when we all sit around going, you know what we should do, you know, um, yeah. and work out ways because we want, we have a lot of customers coming in for well, vegan food mm-hmm. and so we're doing a chopped salad now and it's a vegan chopped salad but then we thought, well, we'll have to do the other chopped salad because some people just want bacon, blue cheese, egg and chicken. Mm. So we're taking some of the vegan options out, the vegan, the chickpeas and the nuts and whatnot mm. and doing two. Um, and it was fun because we said, well, you know what we should do? We should put that in there and take those. And because we actually have a lot of other things, a lot of those things on in the menu. Yeah. We just have to rearrange it yeah, so exactly. that we can do these vegan options. But also then we thought, yes, but we could add blue cheese yeah, for <laughs> and sure. bacon and chicken for the rest of us that really like that. Yeah. Because we also already do a blue cheese dressing on that wedge salad. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, why not? And it sells really well. So but it's nice to sort of, those sort of brainstorming things are probably the most fun mm. Uh, and now we're starting to brainstorm marshmallow flavors. Yeah. So something that I just had before was the Earl Grey and lemon marshmallow off the counter, which mm-hmm. was delicious. That's that's one of the flavors you got going. Yes. Well, we're making a new flavor every day. Really? Because I've, over the past 12 months, I've probably made, I don't know, they'd be coming up to hundreds <laughs> of different flavors. Um, so this week we've had vanilla, espresso, rose, green tea and Cointreau, which was really nice. And now we've got the Earl Grey and lemon, um, but we're doing chocolate and orange, and then we're Sounds going into good. fruit flavours. Um, uh, just use a different type of gelatin, but yeah, no, it's fun to get the flavours in. Yeah. And so I've been saying to the guys, what's your favourite? If you had to go and buy a lolly, what would it be? Or what's your favourite dessert? And we're trying to put it in, because we've done gingerbread, peppermint, all sorts. Mm. And it's fun. The possibilities are endless, I guess. They are. You can almost get any flavour into a marshmallow. It's tricky right. to get it in, though. That, yeah. That's that's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> because you've only got a very small amount of liquid yeah. um, to get the gelatine bloomed and the flavour in. Mm. And sometimes they're, you know, you, because it's got to be a, well, it's got to be a flavour that it sort of hits you twice because it's it's a weird texture. So you're getting the flavour first, the texture, well, and some, and the smell because they're a bit fragrant too. So mm. um, the Green Tree and Contro had people tricked. Yeah. Because I took the sign away and said, can you tell me what you think it is? And they're going, Because <laughs> <laughs> it can get too, you, so, you can actually really taste the two flavours. Yeah. And that's what I find. You, for some reason, you can, if you put two flavours in, you taste them separately. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, depending on what the flavours are, you know, it can be a real progression. Like, I think the Earl Grey is the aftertaste in the one that I had this morning. Yes. And you definitely hit, like, bang lemon and then you let it settle for a little while and then, you know, you take a, a, a breath in and you can feel that sort of Earl Grey, Earl Grey. Mm. Yeah, so it's interesting. Honey, saffron, and then you get passion fruit and all the fruit flavours. Wow. Um, just tons. And they, they make great um, alcohol flavours. Mm. So gin with lemon, um, frangelico, and you can put ground nuts and all oh, sorts of yeah. things in them. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of... Yeah, it's endless. Yeah. Would you ever um, do savoury flavours and and include them in a menu item? Well, the idea is, once we get all... See, savoury's a bit tricky. Mm. Probably I, because the sweet ones are endless. Yeah. But I, I, I'm going to try and do things like, um, well, Bloke's Rocky Road. Yeah. So it'll be bourbon, marshmallows, pretzels, dark chocolate, and maybe wow. dates or raisins or something... Heavy yeah. and dark, um, and then of course there's the rose, pistachio. So using marshmallows in many, many different yeah, ways, okay. yeah. making our own version. You know, with it sort of like a, between cookies with chocolate, um, our own s'mores. Mm. 
then putting them on desserts cause then, and then burning them. Yeah, that's beautiful. So there's lots yeah. of things you can do with mushrooms. They, they're great. And you can they provide a very interesting texture to, like you say, like, I mean, Rocky Road's a classic, but I, I remember having a, um, at a restaurant in Nowra and it was a, it was on the menu. It was just called a hot fudge sundae, but it had it probably had about fifteen different textures in there with like bits of marshmallow and you know things that crackle and you know just interesting things. So yeah, it goes it goes really well with that texture. It's probably like since them. we talked last, we've started making our own ice cream as well. So um, and then we're obviously putting marshmallows in the ice cream. Um, so and making ice cream sandwiches. Mm. So we've been making a um, the cookie is black sesame chocolate and there's soy sauce in it. Wow. And then putting doing a green tea and Contreau ice cream and making an ice cream sandwich. Mm. They're fun. Is that, is that a dessert on the menu? Wow. Well, yeah, on the menu, but actually for the fair, we're going to be selling, we're just heat sealing them and deep freezing them and selling them. Mm, perfect. Um, and sort of making, going down the ice cream road. Yeah, that's great. And so you were saying that this Easter fair that's coming up um, it's tomorrow. No. Tomorrow? No, no <laughs> next week. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Panic. <laughs> Because um, we're starting main production for that on yes, Monday, so tomorrow yes, we'll not be going no. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, the Easter Fair, you know, you guys are going to close down and you're going to just sell sweets and ice creams out the front. Because mm, yeah. we're doing a really nice um, carrot and cranberry cake with an elderflower frosting, so we're making them all in little tins, like six-inch cakes. So they're sort of petite and sort of, well, easy to take home and pretend you're not going to eat yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <know? laughs> well, you know, you could do both. Um, but yeah, sort of small cakes that are pretty. Uh, we've got them all boxed up, but mainly the marshmallows, things like honeycomb, coconut ice, and we're doing savoury biscuits and just lots of stuff that yeah. we've been putting off doing until the restaurant sort of all bedded down. Yeah. And then we're just moving into that next phase. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's cool to have other elements um, in your business like that, like have retail available in store. You know, it's just another income stream. If someone can, you know, some, someone comes for lunch and then they take away 20 bucks worth of you know marshmallows or bits and pieces and whatever and and again it's something that that they take home and creates a talking point and brings people back because you know people like where'd you get this green tea and green tea and lemon marshmallow from the burrowing general store makes all their own chocolates and you know ice creams and marshmallows and things yeah because we've been making our own since yeah because we make our own jams and pickles and things now so Mm -hmm. um so on the storeman's board it's our own um peach and chili chutney <clears throat> oh, jam, really. Um, yep. And that goes with the ham and then the cheddar. And it's really quite nice. Beautiful. Um, sort of spot, it's quite hot, mm. um, but it's lovely and mm. it's a nice change. So we've been doing, we make them for service and then bottle the rest. Yeah. And that's something that we've been holding back. We've got all the bottles ready, um, but we'll do that probably just straight after Easter, have them all on the shelves because we need to just do things in stages. Of course. And you were saying as well that, you know, the, the sweets, um, and I, I assume that the, the jams and preserves and pickles and things like that, you'll be taking to other markets around the Southern Highlands? Yeah, that's the plan. Make as much, you know, sort of get a, that's a good moment we're developing a range. Yeah. And then the idea, and then we will go out into the community because as you know, borrowing is a bit isolated. Mm. Um, so then the more people we cross paths with, the better. Yeah, that's great. And I was down at the uh, Mossvale Farmers Markets yesterday afternoon and talking to the organisers and things there and, and that's sort of exactly what they're looking for a, a variety of local producers you know it's not only a place where people can go and get great veggies and um, you know spuds and all, all, all that all that sort of fresh produce but also having a local mm. that does interesting marshmallow flavours or like a little cake that you can take home or you know you can even get 
you know, savoury things for dinner, but preserves and all that sort of stuff is what makes a really good farmer's market. It's a big variety. So, and I think that, you know, you guys will do well out of it as well. People will definitely embrace that sort of thing. Well, that's right. So we can, that's the thing, like just getting out there into the community and so people know we're over here. Yeah. But we're also doing that sort of starting to do take-home meals. Yep. Because um, there's a lot of bed and breakfast around so that people can pick that up. Or we actually may do a selection of all our food and deliver it. Like we're catering for a wedding, but not the wedding, the people's house. Oh, okay. So we're going to fill the house with, you know, put cakes under glass and fill the cookie jars. Beautiful. Take the pickles, fill the fridge for the visitor so she doesn't have to worry about them. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, so we can do that. And then we're also doing take-home chef at mm-hmm. some, you know, so we're just pushing down the road. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we're still in the first six months, <laughs> but we really have, you know, you yeah, sort of think you're not doing anything do and then you look back and you think, you know what, maybe we are getting somewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's all taking place, so it's it's great. Yep. And, I mean, in terms of the the restaurant, do you, have you seen a sort of people people coming back people returning um regulars and things like that in the six months you've been open absolutely yeah yeah definitely um the rest of the staff are much better at remembering everyone's names than me (laughs) because i don't know they must see the same people at the same time everyone by their coffee order they do they do but also i'm i'm here all the time but i'm not always at the counter yeah so they because they've got regular shifts they see the same people at the same time and yeah they definitely know everyone's names but yeah, it's nice to see people coming back and getting some positive feedback. Um, and everyone saying, when are you opening for dinner? When are you opening for dinner? Mm-hmm. But the, we're opening the house next door as a and b mm-hmm, yeah. um, After everything else is done, then we'll open for dinner. Yeah. Just a couple of nights a week probably, is that the idea? Yeah. And you've got a liquor licence too, so yeah, you can license, do that. Now. Yeah, So, yeah. and we're sort of developing a wine list because um, I've got to get that right too. Yeah. And I mean... Around this area here, you know, between here and Robertson, Fitzroy Falls, um, there's there's great producers that you can take advantage. Of. I mean, you have got majors butcher just just there who you if know you use, provide yeah. you provide you with whatever you need. Um, you know, and there's local veggie growers, obviously great spuds from Robertson and and things like that. So mm. making that and making that a bit of a feature is probably a great a great thing that that's so accessible to you being out in this well, location that's right. and there's some nice cheese producers too and as yep. we sort of progress we're trying to just finesse that all now getting the doors open getting up and running and then yeah improving the you know getting i've like sort of got some local wines yesterday that i quite like and then just going down that road of using more and more local but that's why i was thinking that the farmers markets are great to just go and see who's doing what yep. what we can use and then just sort of getting into that um, side of it because mm. you can become very insular with your head down trying to get a restaurant up and running definitely and now coming up to six months is the deadline I said to them we just have to then you know I will find you several times I've come in and said today is day one <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like you sort of lay things down you think okay now we have to start again and push forward with all the things that you've you know or on your to-do list um, and then I don't think I've done it probably three times already yeah just like okay we're starting over um, I think I'll continue to do that. Yeah. Just to push forward. Yeah. I don't think there'll be ever time where you can say, okay, we've got it. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. We'll just keep going. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to do it. And that's what, you know, if you if you have a menu like yours and if you're doing a diverse range of things, take-home meals and sweets and all that sort of thing, you know, constantly doing new things and keeping people guessing a bit is what brings people back. Well, that's right, because it won't be the same <clears throat> on their second visit. Exactly. And I guess... Like a lot of people are tourists, but a lot of people also, you know, 
they don't just come to the Highlands once for a little weekend. They might know someone here. I know my sister has friends in the Highlands and she's up here, you know, quite often visiting friends and because it's quite accessible from where she lives in Canberra. It's the same from mm. Sydney and same from the coast. So, you know, if, if they might come to the Highlands once every couple of months, but if they have a really good experience at the Burrowing General Store, then they'll go, okay, well, let's go back. And then if there's something different, then the third time they come, they'll definitely be coming back and, you know, keeps sort of perpetuating. Which is yeah, cool. My hope is that people will think, oh, well, I wonder what they're doing at the store this week. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so on Tuesday, so that's when we're going to do all our bottling and pickling so people will be able to see us doing it, mm-hmm. um, putting the marshmallows out. So because using the quieter days to do production and obviously the busier days will be when we sell that mm-hmm. and, you know, have service in the kitchen that way. And it's because that, that's interesting. It's not the same, you know, prep something, cook it, sell it. Um, and the staff are quite interested because they've all got their own little areas of things that give them enjoyment. Um, and so we'll do those. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm. And I think, um, you know, taking into consideration what your staff enjoy as well is a great thing to build a good team that all support support you and support your business. And, you know, I know that in the hospitality, in the places that I've worked out in the past, in kitchens or, you know, front of house or whatever, when when staff have the ability to pr- provide feedback and put some ideas forward, it it makes your job more rewarding mm. and you've got a bit of an interest in it. If, you, if you've, if you you know, come up with a dish or, um, you know, suggested something and you see it succeed, it's a really good motivator to continue to, you know, succeed and, and, and do good things in that for that business. I know, it's funny because when I first went to the kitchen and started doing marshmallows, they're all standing around. Now, I don't normally cook with people watching me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I normally cook late at night. And so they're like, and afterwards the chef goes, you did that all right. And I went, <laughs> I didn't realise I was being judged, but I think it was to look, did I look amateur or did I look like I knew what I was doing? Yeah. It was pretty funny. I tell you what, cooking in front of chefs is is a hard thing to do, you know. I didn't realise they were all like so well, focused on... It must on... have been because, and everyone's got their kind of, their own little ways of doing it and everyone, like, they want to do it like that. I remember having a barbecue at a head chef's place uh, that I used to work for. And he was like, oh, do you just want to make the salad? And I was standing there and there were three other chefs around, you know, prepping stuff for the barbecue. And I was so nervous just making the salad because, and I was just throwing together some lettuce and a vinaigrette. But I I just had all these chefs that I'm used to being in the kitchen and having them tell me what to do. Um, And... Yeah, and I'm just tossing a salad in front of him there. And I'm like, oh, you guys are judging me over how I'm sort of making this out. But, you know. See, if they'd seen me work. make marshmallows the first 50 times, they would have seen me, you know, have it fly all over the walls. Because <laughs> different things that you put in to flavour it deflate it. Yeah. And if the thing, if the um, mix is going, it will just fly out of the bowl. <laughs> uh, because it goes soft all of a sudden and you've got it on its highest. So, yes, luckily I've done it enough to pull it off yeah. in front of their eyes. I was trying to ignore them, but yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, that's great. Um, quickly, just I, I want to talk about the dishes that you gave us for the book. Um, I mean, we talked about the pres- pretzel crusted chicken and uh, the, inter- the most interesting thing to me is the fresh Brussels sprout, shaved Brussels sprout salad with cranberries and things. Um, you know, do you want to just tell us a bit about that dish? Well, that um, salad... Um, we had a version of it when we travelled. We were driving, I believe we were in Montana or somewhere like that, Missoula. We were driving to the Battle of Little Bighorn mm. battleground and they had this salad and it was just this weird mix and you think, what is that? And it was shaved Russell sprouts 
and it was just great. It was like the best salad I'd ever eaten in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And I made a mental note that, mind you, that was before we'd done this, but it was just, I'm going to recreate that. And people have ordered that salad and gone, I thought there was Brussels sprouts in it <laughs> because they were looking for a round Brussels sprout. But you can buy shaved Brussels sprouts. Now, I noticed it after that um, in wrapped in, in the supermarket wow. in the States. So it's not as uncommon as I had first thought because yeah. it's not that something I'd looked for until I'd, and I'd look in the Brussels sprouts section. You can actually buy shaved Brussels sprouts already. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just a great combination. And then pretzels, you know, chicken, honey mustard, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, delicious. Um, and then the second one was the maple and chickpea organic salad. I guess that's just a good a good vegan option, but the chickpeas are an interesting texture and flavour as well in that. Yes. Well, that was my favourite TV chef, which is bakes everything on a tray yep. in the oven. Yeah. And my daughter has nut allergies, so she misses out on the crunch mm-hmm. in salads. So I thought, well, we'll try it with chickpeas. And they were great. Mm. But now, of course, you can buy. That, that was well before I'd seen, you know, dry roasted chickpeas. But the maple just makes them sort of adds that sort of sweetness to a salad mm. or whatever it is you're making if you can't have the nuts. Yeah, and it's quite a citrusy um, dressing and yeah, vinaigrette as well, so a bit of sweetness and crunch is great with that. And, mm. you know, you've always got to cater for it. Hi, are you up there? <laughs> Hold sorry, on. Cut it out. Oh, sorry, Andrew, I'm just doing a little interview thing. Oh, G'day, mate. How are you sorry, going? Sorry, didn't know that. <laughs> you're right. We'll, do, we'll be five minutes. No, no, if that's all right. Sorry, Paz. Glad I didn't say anything more colourful. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be a minute. It's all right. We can like I can just sorry. Snip stuff out. Um, what were we saying? Yeah, you got to you got to cater for dietary requirements and things like that. And I I love salad. I don't know. I grew up eating heaps of salad, and you know most of the lunches that I cook for myself are just these big salads that have you know some sort of grain and mm. things like chickpeas and things like that. So because it's a pretty um, you know if you can add crunch. You know all the different you know flavor notes, some color. Yep. You can't really go wrong. Yeah. That's why we're doing the the vegan chopped salad because it just looks great. Yeah. Um, but the and the maple roasted chickpeas. We any dish that's got a nut and we're doing um we've made granola now, mm-hmm. and so the maple roasted chickpea is in the nut free granola to oh, give cool. it some crunch. Interesting. Um, and sort of cherries and whatnot, pine nuts, all sorts. Mm. Um, so we're doing a nut-free version. Have you got that for sale? Yeah, we do. I'm going to have to get some for my my niece, my nut-free niece. Well, there's, it's, a, it's down there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we bagged up a whole lot yesterday. So that's another thing we'll sell at the fair and yeah, hopefully cool. we'll sell when we go out because um, it's just a really nice, crunchy, sweet granola. Mm. And we put it on the fruit bowl. Yeah. So we're trying to use, you know, make things, put them on the menu. Yeah. We'll use them and also sell them outside. Yeah, I mean, and I think people definitely appreciate that, you know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of places can easily go out and buy granola, but, it, like, it takes a while to get a system in place where you can be making your own granola and storing it and putting it on your menu, but once you do and once it, once the process is sort of coming along and things, it's so much it's so much nicer than, hmm. you know, buying things in packets. So that's what this, you know, this schedule, we've got this seven-day schedule, if, you know, Tuesday's granola, Monday's marshmallows, whatever it is, it's... We've got that, got to that stage now where we can sort of spin the labour out, work out yep. what. Mind you, it's still very unpredictable yep. um, as to how busy the store's going to be. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it must be a tough balance. Well, it's um, the first year, so yeah. I write. You know, I'm keeping pretty good notes, um, and also my the system that we use will tell us all that information. But we haven't been doing it long enough yet to mm. get a good picture, but we will. Mm. Um, the last issue you gave us for the book is the 
black bean fritter with cornbread, fried eggs, and a nice uh, sort of red pepper, sort of chili, chili jam. Is it or a chili sauce? It's a. It is a jelly. Jelly. Red pepper. That's right. Yes. Yeah, caps- well, it's capsicum jelly, yeah. really. Mm. And another, obviously, cornbread, um, South the Southern American influence. It is jalapeno cornbread. My daughters just love anything chili. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went, I think it's probably lots of places we've been ended up in that dish. Um, the jalapeno cornbread with the red pepper jelly was a combination we had somewhere. And some of those things you think, you know, we can do that. It's just cornbread and the jelly, getting that right, getting the sweet um, and the tart. But it's lovely because mm. we use that as a toast um, so that people have got that option and it's gluten free. Yeah. So it's a good option for people because sometimes gluten free bread, I haven't quite cracked or found a great source of gluten-free yeah, I mean, bread. It's definitely tough to get. I, I worked at a at a bakery restaurant for a little while, and I think they did probably one of the best ones that I've had. But I'd I'd never I'd never order it over something like cornbread, or because no. I love cornbread. It's yeah, such such a beautiful and it meal. is really hard because we do offer most of our dishes as a gluten-free by swapping the bread out. But I'd feel bad, you know. I I, I feel I know if you obviously are gluten intolerant, you're used to that gluten-free bread. But it certainly doesn't look. I, I want someone to make a because I mean you can the, the, the slices are thinner and flatter and smaller, mm. so the dish doesn't look as They're good. They're quite dense, and yeah, it's hard to make. It's been it hard to wrap it around a burger. I know. I mean, is there a reason you can't do a gluten-free bun? But a gluten-free burger bun. I guess they don't rise as as well as you know flour-based flour-based breads and things, but. I don't know. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's good ones. As out. time goes on, and more and more people are, you know, more and more time is spent on perfecting gluten-free products. I want to see a nice gluten-free bun. Maybe, maybe you're the person to to do it. I did go to bread school. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but they didn't do a lot of gluten-free. Burger buns are big business. They you know? are. If you can do good burger buns and and wholesale them or whatever, like every. Not every, but most cafes and restaurants have something on a burger bun. Yeah. And if you could do a good, good gluten-free one, I'm sure there's well, I think a the, market there. One of the biggest challenges <clears throat> was getting the bread right for each dish. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion on bread, whether it's the colour of their toast, you know, how hard they want the crust, you know, and finding that bread that we could swap in um, for all the different dishes that was right was yeah. probably the hardest thing yeah. to do. I'm not saying we've got 100% right yet because I still would like to get a better gluten-free, but... Um, yeah, we're using two suppliers just to get that that old-fashioned sort of bread product and also the sourdough and the things like that that people expect. But I find with sourdough, people mentally want to buy sourdough because it does taste good, but they're not 100% always want to eat it mm. because it doesn't translate into the dish once it's toasted. You know, it's harder, it's more dense, the crust's more, you know. So quite often people will choose a lighter bread yeah i think what you're talking about and getting breads right for dishes is such a good attention to detail that a good cafe or restaurant needs to have i think you can tell a lot by a cafe on the bread that comes out with your breakfast or your lunch because it makes a big difference you know like if if i get a if i order a burger from a place whether it's a chicken burger or or, or a beef burger or whatever and it's on like a a lot of the time, well, a while back, not so much anymore, but they'd, put, they'd just chuck stuff on toasted paninis that go so hard and you and you try to get your mouth around it and it'd crack down the middle and things would go everywhere and it's it's so hard and crunchy and it just doesn't suit it. And I think now 
paying attention to you know you need a bit of softness for the, for this burger and you need you know a, a bit of a harder crust and a softer interior for the toast with your eggs and things because you know I think it's a important thing that you need to have <laughs> well I have this thing where like I do not want to eat my burger with a knife and fork yes so I have do I, I don't have to take it off pull it all you know and everyone goes oh. <laughs> you know but I'm going oh but is it a burger if you can't use your hands yeah it's true and then I guess one of the other points of that is not putting too much on it. I think we're we're pretty used to now, um, you know, the burger with the lot from the fish and chippy, which you get all over your shoes when you're trying to eat because there's so much well, on it, and egg, it's still well, good. the egg down onto your elbow. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's still delicious, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see now places doing doing burgers with quality ingredients and just a few things, and it's a functional thing to eat rather than you know something that's going to go everywhere or skewered so that it doesn't fall apart that's the other one yeah like mm, we have to have do that because we found that you know keeping them upright for the staff carrying them out because we've got swinging doors mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like okay we'll have to pin it together yeah um but people seem to like them so and they can eat it with their hands yeah and yeah no and it's they should great. you know I, I love just a, a hamburger just a normal cheeseburger just a, a patty some some homemade sauce, pickles, some onions, and maybe a piece of lettuce. And if it's done right, you know, on a nice sort of softer bun, easy to eat, it's not going to get everywhere, it's, it's great. You'll have to come back and have the burger. I'll come back and have the burger. People also really like the fat chips we put on the side. So, yeah, mm. just a few, but, yeah, they're pretty nice. Excellent. I can't order them anymore. <laughs> I've done my research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my quality control, I have to stop. Yeah, okay. but yeah I, I think they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I'll definitely be back for the burger. Um, thanks, Erica. Thanks for participating. Thanks You're for doing welcome. this interview Thank again. You. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to my conversation with Erica from the Burrowing General Store. I really enjoyed talking to her, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation also. If you want to get in touch with the Burrowing General Store, you can find them online at bgsc.com.au. You can also find the Burrowing General Store on Facebook, and they're also at Burrowing General Store on Instagram. If you want to find more, more out about us, you can find us at quicksandfood.com. We're also Quicksand Food on Facebook and at Quicksand Food on Instagram. And if you want to listen to more episodes of the Southern Highlands edition of this podcast, the Quicksand Food Connection, you can go to our website, quicksandfood.com, where you can download all of the podcasts for free. Thanks so much for joining us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.